What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rizzo Cast. I'm Steven Rizzotto, and today's guest we have is Mike Saltzman. He's a high school teacher in Southern California that went on a weight loss journey of a lifetime, losing a ton of weight and route to a healthier life. Uh, so I followed you on Twitter, Mike, obviously, um, for many, many moons, and I've followed your sports coverage uh, for numerous publications. Uh, so how are you? Super pumped to have you on. Yeah, this is great, man. I love sharing my story. Um, you've obviously been there since the beginning. Um, we've been, you know, friends on on social media for baseball reasons and for other reasons. And so this has just been kind of a connection to that. And uh, I love I love sharing my story. So the, the more people that get to hear it, the better. So your journey is absolutely unbelievable. And I cannot wait to get into it. There's a ton to talk about. But before we get into the current journey to health, uh, it's important to note the origins of all this. So I understand you were pretty active as a youngster. Uh, so touch on that for a sec. Yeah, I mean, love, love sports from the time I could run, which, you know, uh, it was really just an excuse to get outside and run around and then became a love of sports. And my dad took me to my first game when I was three and I was hooked on baseball from the time I could, you know, pay attention. And, uh, you know, you know, baseball, football, basketball, you know, all the, all the main sports, um, Olympics would come on. I'd be hooked for two weeks you know, on every event. So it was just one of those things where sports was always a huge part of my life. And, so being active was never an issue when I was younger and my eating habits were awful my whole childhood, which is very common for most kids. I think you just, you eat what you like and you tend to like the foods that are unhealthy. Um, but I ran around so much that even when I would gain weight or I'd be bigger, it didn't necessarily impact my sports that much. So I never really focused on it because I was still able to pretty much do whatever I wanted to do got all the way to college still my eating habits weren't great but I was still very active and so ever since I kind of became an adult after college my weight became an issue that I didn't have the activity connected to it once you get a real job for the most part your opportunities to play at break and lunch go away your opportunities to play after school go away and you become this kind of just 9 to 5 version of yourself almost no matter what job you have, um, unless you literally have a job where you're you know, paid to run around. And so for a lot of us, I think we don't change our eating habits, but we, our lifestyle completely changes as far as the level of activity that we have. So I would sit there and watch sports the same amount, but I wouldn't go out and play those same sports before and after like I used to. And that became a huge difference in, in what I was doing and how I was doing it. So my eating habits never really were great. So the poor eating habits combined with the lack of activity just completely changed my, my body and my health. And for years, I would ignore it. For years, I would try to fix it. And then it would always be this roller coaster. And that was a big part of this journey was taking a step back and looking at those past failures and the successes I had in past weight loss journeys and being like, all right, well, what worked and why, why did I gain it all back? Why did I not only gain the weight back, but then gain even more weight? What were those things? And then once I started to identify that, it really allowed me to set a plan that was going to be successful because I think a lot of times people want to lose weight or people want to set certain goals for themselves, but they become short-term goals, whether they realize it or not, because what they're going for isn't actually long lasting. It's, I want to lose 50 pounds 
So when they hit that 50th, you know, 50th pound, they feel like they've finished. And I think those are the kinds of things I had to realize it's way bigger than that. It's not just, I want to get, you know, thinner for the summer. This turned into what had to be a lifestyle change. And so that's the mindset really shifted. And therefore the consistency started um, a lot more than it had in the past. So I read that you started kind of this updated journey at 320 pounds and you decided you wanted to change. So late thirties, like you are, a lot of people are giving up at that point. So what prompted the decision in your life? Maybe it was there a turning point that you kind of, you know, experienced along the way? I mean, I think there, at some point, I think you kind of run out of excuses. You know, there was, there's always, there's always a, a voice in the back of your head that can convince you to do the, the wrong thing that you will sometimes listen to. And it got to the point where I was, I was unhealthy. I was unable to run around with my son. You know, the, the previous couple of times that I'd lost weight, I have a niece who's nine now. And when she was young and wanting her uncle to run around with her, I was like, oh, okay. And then I would get tired right away. And I, oh, you know, I'll, I'm just going to sit down. You, you go ahead and run. And it was those kind of moments where you're like, man, I really got to get my life together because I'm not able to run around with my, with my niece. And so I'm, I'm losing time with her. So that was kind of part of it was you have those moments where you're running around with your two-year-old son and you're like, I can't keep up with him. And that's a safety issue as much as it is, you know, just a, a kind of heartbreaking realization that you can't do some of the things you should be able to do with your kid. Um, so those are part of it. But I think what really it came down to and what I ended up investing in the book about and what the, and what I kind of wrote down for several chapters was the kind of epiphany moment of it has to be something that you care about more than anything else. You have, you have to realize that you matter, that you as an individual are, you know, deserve to be healthy but that it's way more important that you care about what you're doing than it does anyone else. Because as much as I wanted to lose weight for my niece, I ended up gaining all that weight back. So why did I not, you know, stay healthy when that was a very good reason to, you know, to be healthy. And part of it was I wasn't prioritizing my own health and happiness. I was prioritizing others. And you think you want it for yourself, but you, you only kind of want it. You know, um, everyone that wants to be rich, they want to be rich, but they don't want to put the work in and the hours it takes to go be better than everybody else at something. Um, so when it came to this, it's the same kind of thing. Until you believe in your heart that you deserve this and this, this is something you should have for, you know, for every day, not just for the next few months. Because I think that happens too. People are like, all right, starting today, I'm going to, you know, today's day one. And it's a Monday on January 1st and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the, the, the start date is and the reasons for it, if you're just doing it because you want to shut other people up or you want to just fit into some outfit or whatever, it's like, those are reasons, but they're not good enough, I think, for the long lasting effect. If I always looked at it as a weight loss journey when I, when I started and then failed, this time I realized it was a journey to health. That was kind of one of the big things for me was it was about being healthy. So if I was making unhealthy choices, I needed to figure out why was I doing that? And I needed to try to stop doing that. So, you know, one thing, one big thing for me was soda. I was a huge soda drinker. I would drink diet soda constantly. The first two times I lost significant weight, I would drink a lot of soda. 
because you know you look at the label diet soda says zero calories so you're like perfect i can drink gallons of this stuff and and i'll be fine and yeah i did lose weight but i was drinking something very unhealthy so if i was actually trying to be as healthy as i possibly could then i had to cut things like soda out i had to cut some fast food out i had to cut some fried food out i had to cut some junk food out things that i shouldn't ever eat or at least i really need to severely cut down because what is my goal here? Is my goal just to lose weight? Because then I can just cut my portions down. But if I'm eating unhealthy food all the time, I'm not actually helping my body be what I actually need it to be, which is to be able to help me do all the physical and mental and emotional things that I want to be able to do. And it, the healthier I ate, the healthier I um, got. And those, those connections to my long-term plan made way more sense for how I can then pursue it going further because when it really comes down to it you can't have a goal that has an end and then think you're just gonna okay for now now that I know what I'm doing I'm good it's like you can't just stop you know this has to be a long-lasting thing and so it starts from believing in yourself and then from there everything else becomes easier because you're telling yourself from the beginning that this is something I deserve and everything else becomes easier after that, at least in my experience. So you mentioned this. So as a teacher and spending pretty much your entire professional career helping other people, did you get kind of a sense of meaning when, when you said to yourself, hey, I'm going to do something to make me happy? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, it's kind of ironic that people that do get into teaching or coaching sometimes will forget about themselves. You know, I, I don't think that was my case 100%, but I do think your, your entire focus is on others in what you do during the day. And, you know, as much as we want to call ourselves, you know, uh, fa you know fathers and, and brothers and, and um, friends and neighbors and all these other labels that we have for ourselves, what we do in our careers tend to define us more than most other things, not because of the most important, because it's the, the amount of hours we spend doing those things versus others you know when you're at, if i'm at school from seven in the morning till seven at night teaching and coaching i barely see my family during the week and it doesn't mean that my work is more important but it does mean that i am investing so many more hours into that so my your mindset becomes i have to help these students get better at this task i have to help my athletes get better at this task and so you're always thinking about others and so there is a part of me that would focus on everybody else instead of what I need. And it's also a defense mechanism. It's also survival techniques. Like if your wife's going through something, if your son's going through something, you put aside your stuff and you focus on them, you know, and we don't ever mean to be selfish, but I do think that there is some tunnel vision that we all kind of have also in our own survival of like, you know, what do I need to do to get through my day? And so sometimes that'll happen and for yourself, but a lot of times, you're seeing it, you're seeing other people do that and you're trying to help them navigate it for them. You know, whether it's, like I said, my wife or my son or whether it's my, my athletes. So if they're going through a crisis, you're putting aside everything that you're going through and you're helping them, right? If you have a, a kid you're coaching that's just in the corner, just completely sobbing because they, you know, something really horrible just happened, you know, you're not going to think about anything else in that moment. You're going to focus on them. And so it just becomes kind of a pattern where it's like, all right, who do, what fire do I have to put out today? And you're not like looking for that, but it's like, it just, those are the things you notice first. And so I think in a lot of ways, there is some truth in that, that 
you you do kind of get lost in other people's worlds and you end up forgetting that your world matters too. Um, and it's okay to be selfish in that way. That I think the more selfish we are in caring for our own well-being, the actually better version of ourselves we can be for everybody else. Because then people see that we're, you know, we're putting that time and effort into ourselves. They realize that that's important. They see that value in it. And then they want to look for themselves too and help themselves as well, or just help you and vice versa. I think it all becomes what we focus on when we're around people, they end up seeing that, well, that must be what matters to them because that's what they see us do. So if, they, if you're taking time for yourself at times, what might seem like selfishness actually is a way to show other people that that part of our, our lives matter. It matters that we care about ourselves enough to take some time for ourselves and not be so unselfish as much as that seems like the opposite. Like you should want to be unselfish. It's like, of course we do. But you, if you're never focused on yourself, that actually is a, a really poor, a really poor way of going about things. And because you're going to, you're going to lose yourself in that way. I know you mentioned uh, your son, Aaron, and you have a wife, Danielle. I have to imagine a big part of the decision to change uh, was thinking about the possibility of being there for them as long as possible. Right. So uh, was it relieving, relieving thinking, you know, Hey, if I do this, I'll be able to add some years on my life and continue to help them out and continue to be in their lives. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I preface every post I make when, when I, when I share my, my stuff online that, you know, I, I say that it's for me, but it's for Danielle, it's for Aaron, it's for my family. You know, there's, it, it's all part of the same, you know, circle of life as it were, where it's like, you know, the, the things that matter to you, they all matter the same. You know, there's, there's, there's some priorities sometimes in life where, you know, if you're really in a low place, then you kind of have to look at you before you look at everybody else. But in the rea in reality, as much as I had to look at myself and say, this needs to happen because I'm, need to do this for me. The whole reason that I want to care about myself is because I have people in my life that care so much about me. And my wife is, you know, 100% of the reason that I was able to do this, because it's one thing to have the right mindset. But logistically, to be able to have the hours in the day to work out every single day, to have the, the, the time and the patience to be able to know that, you know, I'm going to be working out, you know, in the morning or at night, and we're going to lose some time together, but I need to do this for me. And, you know, to be able to, you know, spend more money than we might have in the past on food, because healthy foods, you know, more expensive, I mean, even just the littlest things, you know, it's like, if my wife wasn't on board with me wanting to do this, then it would have been a lot more complicated, and it would have been a lot more difficult. But even more so than all that logistical stuff, her support from day one and her belief in me and her wanting me to be the best version of myself as much as I wanted it for me that to know you have someone in your corner like that. And we get that from family and we get that from some of our best friends a lot of times, but you know, the more people we have in our corner that are just from day one are like, I got you, I got your back. You know, it, it really does make a difference. Um, it's, it's made what um, you know, all these, posts I've made over the last couple of years that I've shared online, you know, the people that have messaged me and said, Hey, your, your journey is inspiring. You know, I started losing weight because I saw your post. I've lost 40 pounds and you know, the last X, X number of months because of you, you know, I, I know in my heart that I wasn't the only reason that they did that, but to know I had some part of it is huge. 
And, and that's how my wife feels is that, you know, she knows that it wasn't, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And so she knows how much that, that matters to me and how much that means to me. And it, it really does. It reminds me of just how important uh, a role she has played in my life for this specifically. And then also just in general, just the, the love I have for her is, is, is unending. And I think that relationship is a huge part and really the biggest reason that I was able to do what I did. So again, you started your journey at 320 pounds and start started documenting your daily uh, experience at the gym on social media. So what's the story behind your social media presence? Is it holding yourself accountable, maybe something to look back on? And also how, how important is it to get the word around on your platforms? Well, you know, the, you know, the, I'm going to start my journey posts. I've made those before. Like this, this one's been successful and I've been going over two years now. Um, but, or almost two years now, but I've had plenty of posts on Facebook and other, you know, places where it's like, Hey, I'm go today's the first day at the gym. And, you know, a month or two later, I stopped posting, you know? And so it's, you know, to your first part of the question of, you know, was it a way of holding myself accountable? I've done this in the past where that was one of the reasons I want to be able to hold myself accountable. And there absolutely were days where the only reason I went to the gym was because I told myself and I told people online, I'm going to go to the gym every day. And so on days where I just wasn't really feeling it, I would still go to the gym, get on the bike for 20 minutes, do something and be able to post that here, here's the workout I did for the day. And so there was, abs there was absolutely, especially the first couple of months where one of the only reasons I went to the gym was that accountability that I want to be able to show people I'm doing something every day. And if, if people go back and see past posts that I made, especially early on, you know, I was always trying to be as honest as I could. So I, I, you know, I have a, a you know, the, the phone look, turned to me and I'd say, you know, Hey, I didn't have a good day today. I, I came here hoping to do this and this. And all I did was get on the, the treadmill for 20 minutes. Um, you know, hopefully tomorrow's a better day, you know, so I, I, I never tried to, to, to fake what I was doing. I never tried to lie about my workouts. Um, when I didn't work out, I would, I would share that, you know, on the, on the rare days that I wouldn't work out. And, you know, so part of it was that accountability, but, you know, I, I had seen, um, uh, a guy online that I've become friends with now. Um, same as you, uh, his name is Dre, mm -hmm. um, him and his twin brother are, are both on social media as well. Um, they post a lot of videos of them working out and I saw him just working so hard online and he would post his videos and, you know, he was, you know, he, he weighed more than I did when I started. And he was just, he was so determined every day to work hard. He was sending out really positive messages um, in posts he was sharing. And, and I, when I saw him do that, I was like, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to, I'm going to post my videos online. I want to show other people that I can do this too. I want to shout out Dre for inspiring me to do it. And the, the outpouring of love kind of immediately from people that were following his journey and then therefore saw mine and, and then just seeing people. I mean, I would get messages weekly and I still kind of do um, I, I, with everything that's so uh, insane about these last few months. Um, you know, my posts don't get as much attention now, which is fine because in the grand scheme of things, what I'm doing is very irrelevant compared to um, the, all the, the fights we're fighting out there right now. But, um, but when I was first going, I mean, I would get messages weekly from people, never met them, you know, 
hey, so-and-so, I, I live in the Philippines and I see you on Instagram and, you know, or I see you on, um, you know, Twitter or wherever. And just getting these messages, you know, 99% of them just is the most positive, beautiful words you've ever heard. And just people that are like, you know, hey, um, you know, I can totally relate with what you're doing. I, I can't believe how much weight you've lost. Keep it up. You know, I'm, I'm going to the gym tomorrow because, you know, I saw your posts, you know. And when I, when I would get things like that, it made me realize this was way bigger than me. You know, that the, the part of the reason I was sharing my posts was accountability. Part of it was to, like you said, look back and see where I was. Um, another part was really, and I've gotten this a few times, I'll post something of a workout I'm doing and I'll get constructive criticism like, hey, you shouldn't do that. You know, hey, don't lock your knees out when you do, you know, when you do the leg press or, hey, you know, you should be more 90 degrees when you do your lunges or, or whatever. And it was, which is great, you know, because it's, it gives me something to kind of show like, hey, I'm doing this workout. What do you guys think? You know, I do box squats and, or box jumps. And I get messages from a lot of different people like, hey, don't do those. That, that can be dangerous, you know, especially if you go try and jump too high. It's not worth it. Um, and so, you know, it's just it ends up being great. Like I get to get some feedback um, from people that know more than I do about um, the specifics of workouts and, and why they're why they're good and what and what's great about them. Um, so that's a big part of it, too. But the number one thing, especially right from the first day I started posting was to be able to help others get started um, because I'll get all kinds of messages of just like, they're all kind of the same, but it's like, I have no idea how to start. What do you recommend? And, you know, I start typing in my phone and I get the auto, you know, the suggestions and they're, it's a, I, they already, it already has the sentence for me because I'm, I'm basically saying the same, you know, six or seven things to everybody. And, uh, but it's because it's the same advice I give to anybody. It's, you know, the, the things that I've done are very simple things, but they're, they're, they're meaningful to me. And so I'll, I'll share them to people and say, Hey, look, this is how I started. This is what I recommend, you know, but it, it has to come down to you wanting to do it in the first place. And then and when I, you, when anyone asks me that, the first thing I tell them is that you first thing is you have to believe you deserve to be healthy. You know, it starts there. Everything else becomes secondary, but if you don't believe that first thing, then it's, it's not going to necessarily last. So I mentioned the daily experience at the gym. So as a teacher as well, how in the world, I find it amazing. How in the world did you balance the schedule with teaching? Uh, so give me a day in a life with Mr. Saltzman during a school day, just a random school day. Give me a day in a life. Well, when I first, when I first started, I was, I wasn't teaching full time. I was uh, substitute teaching. so it was a little bit more inconsistent. Um, so it was a little bit harder. So there were days where I didn't have a job. And so I would just go in the mornings. There were other days where I would go to the, the gym really early. And then I get a call. It's like, Hey, you know, can you work a couple of periods? And it's like, sure, I can. So I dropped what I was doing. Um, so when I got to be where I actually had a schedule, especially when I got to, um, to, to the teaching job I have now, which is in Ventura is I would just, I, when I would lift, I'd work out at the school gym. When I, you know, if I had a prep period, I, I would try to, to do, if I wanted to go for a run or something, I'd go during then. Um, you know, it really became, there were some days where, you know, and I would usually figure this out like the day or two before, but I would figure out if I needed to work out before I started my day and work, you know, for, as soon as I wake up, I'll go to the gym. 
Other days it would be once Aaron went down to, to sleep at 8 or 8.30. So I'd have some nights where I'd be at the gym at 9.30 and stay till 11.30. Um, and so it really became, you know, going back to, you know, Danielle being in my corner, you know, it really came down to how am I, what, what am I going to sacrifice today to make this work? Am I going to um, make it more difficult to grade papers because I have, I'm going to go during my prep? Am I going to make it more difficult to spend time with my wife because I'm going to go while Aaron's asleep? Am I going to make it where I lose time with Aaron because I'm, I can't take him to school in the morning or, or what it might be. So I had this, I, every day I had to sacrifice time that what I would devote to something else to make time for the workout I wanted to do. And so as much as I, as much as there are people out there that they're way more effective when they can plan for the week or plan for you know, the next month or whatever it is, um, and have all their workouts written out. I wasn't, I didn't have the luxury of being able to do that. That I, for me, it was, you know, on a Monday, maybe it's like, all right, so today I'm going to do this. So tomorrow I'd like to do this. So when can I get that in? Okay. I probably can do it if I just go when Aaron goes down for the night and then I'll, I'll go then, or, Oh, you have something tonight. Okay. I'll try and go when I'm at school or I'll try to go before, you know, before I leave for work. And so it really came down to trying to to make sure I was okay with that, that I could I didn't have to have such structure, but that I was going to make time, figure out when I was going to make time for the gym, you know, the night before essentially, so that I would know exactly when, and then make sure I did what I could when I could. And so some days I only had thirty minutes and I couldn't do a great workout compared to you know as far as length of time, so I had to shorten it up. Maybe I was doing some more you know, kind of hit drills or I would just, just, or just do something light because it's like, all right, well, at least I got something in. And then other days when I had more time, then I would do that. I made sure I tried to only give myself an hour for my workouts as I, because one thing I realized was when I would go to the gym, spend 20 minutes driving there, be at the gym for an hour, spend, you know, then clean up, come home. It would be at least two hours away from home. So I, I couldn't work out for two hours. I couldn't be away from home for three hours. It was just too much time away. So I really had to make sure I was efficient with my time, that if I did a workout, that was all I did and I went home. And that really made it to where I could, I could make it work each day because it is hard to work out seven days a week. So there's so much more that goes into losing weight and spending time in the gym than people think. So you talked about diet early on. So how have you changed your diet? on the diet side of things to kind of change the game for yourself. What have you been doing differently? Well, so I, I had done this in the past, but the, you know, one of the first things I made sure I was doing was monitoring the calories that I was eating. Um, for the most part, every, every decision I made with my food intake was calorie based as far as knowing how many calories things were. But I also tried to make sure that the only foods I was eating were healthy. So I wasn't worried about, you know, uh, cutting carbs out and those kind of things. I was cognizant of the fact that if I was going for a workout that I would have something high in protein when the workout was done to help my body recover because the proteins can help your muscle recovery. Um, that, you know, having carbs before a run or having carbs before an intense workout can actually be a good thing to help you, um, to, to have energy before you work out. So part of it was trying to have some strategy as far as, okay, I, I should have some breakfast in the morning, no matter what. I should, you know, be able to have a snack before I work out. I should have a snack after I work out. 
try not to have anything too high in carbs because that's towards the end of the day. Having carbs in the in the morning is not a big deal because I'll burn all that off anyway. Um, that ultimately, if I had a thousand calories less a day than I was burning, I could lose about two pounds a week. So the numbers with my basal metabolic rate and those kind of things, I was for the most part burning about 3,500 calories a day. So I needed to eat about 2,500 calories a day. When I first started working out, I was trying to average 2,650 um, calories a day that I was eating. Then I cut that down to about 2,400. And so for the most part, I averaged about 2,500 calories a day. And so I ultimately, you know, it wasn't always the same foods all the time, but I did try to identify the foods that I really enjoyed. Um, for, for the most part, I would pretty much only have oatmeal for breakfast. I'd have, you know, oatmeal with some fruit. I used to have just like bananas and, and blueberries um, with my oatmeal, but then I would add, you know, raspberries or strawberries, whatever. Um, for lunch, I'd have a salad that I made that was kind of a custom salad. It was about 250, 300 calories. I would try to have small snacks in between, have a dinner that, you know, was, was low calorie. And so I was ultimately trying to have about 500 ish calories a meal for five meals a day. And that wasn't always the way it happened. And sometimes I'd have more, sometimes I'd have less, but over the course of a week or over the course of a month, I was trying to average those that amount of calories. One of the main things I did once I got to my goal weight was I didn't change what I was eating. I just changed the number of calories I was consuming. So when I so I'm still burning 3,500 calories a day on average, but now I'm eating 3,000 to 3,500 calories a day. So I'm still eating the same foods. I'm just eating more. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I could tell anyone who's trying to lose weight is once you hit whatever goal you think your goal should be, that you shouldn't change your, your eating, uh, what you're eating at all. Um, after that, you should still eat all the same foods. It just, you should add some calories to that to balance out the number of calories you're eating so that you're, you can have that maintenance because what hap what's, what would definitely happen to me is if I started eating unhealthy, and just monitoring those calories, I would end up slipping too much. I'd have six slices of pizza instead of one, or I'd have, you know, way too many fries instead of just one small handful of fries. And, and those kinds of things, those are the kinds of, you know, the, those kind of trigger foods where I wouldn't be able to control the, the amount of food I ate. And suddenly, instead of having a 3,500 calorie diet that day, I'd have a 5,500 calorie diet. And that's what would always get me in trouble in the past was, oh, I've been good for two months. I can have a, you know, I can go to this party and have some pizza. And then 17 slices later, you know, what maybe wasn't ever that bad, but that's how it would feel because I would just eat whatever I saw, you know, instead of, instead of literally monitoring my calories like I used to. So that's been my biggest takeaway from this last eight months is to maintain my weight loss. I really can't change the food I'm eating. I just have to change the amount. And then that has really made a difference. So fast forward a year, you've lost over 120 pounds in a 12 month span. When you first started, and this is my favorite video of yours. When you first started, uh, you made a video saying something like just got through with an ab workout. The ab should be coming any day now. And it was like right. one of the first days that you started. I love that one. So, um, the span where you were losing lots of weight early on, 
did it go by slow? Did it go by fast? Were you frustrated at times with the results? Were you happy at times with the result of it? So what was the pace like for you? Well, you know, one thing I think people have to realize because it was, it was slow for the first. So I started in the end of July in January of, so, you know, a few, still a few months, several months in, but in January, I still weighed almost 200, I weighed over 275 pounds. So I was still severely overweight for what I should be. And yet I had lost over 40 pounds. You know, I, I was getting close to losing 50 pounds. So both of those things are real. You still, you're still severely overweight for what you want to be. You still don't like the way you look necessarily. And you still have lost almost 50 pounds. And so that third one that I just said has to matter also. And it's so easy to look in the mirror and be like, man, why can't I look good, good yet? I, you know, I, I worked so hard for so many months and I still don't look like I want to. And that is the kinds of like toxic things that enter your mind and you can't let those take over. And, and those have taken over in the past. And I know there's people out there where they've worked so hard, they've lost 80 pounds, but because they still look overweight, they feel like they haven't done anything. And it's like that, that you can't look at it that way. And so, you know, the, 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 uh, the pictures that have gone viral where everyone's like, I like how he looks happy and both <laughs> that, that first picture is from my 45th day. Um, I had just finished a workout. And so I was ecstatic because I had a great workout that day. But one of the reasons that I shared that photo over some photo from day one is because I didn't take a photo of day one. You know, the video that you just referenced was from day two. And uh, yes, yeah, so that, that photo there. And the, the video was from day two and I had done some videos. I, I was more interested in trying to share videos than I was pictures, but I didn't take a picture cause I didn't, I wasn't even confident enough in myself at day one. This is definitely going to be the one that's going to win. Uh, I'm definitely going to win this time because it was still just a mindset I was hoping would work, you know? And by day 45, I knew I was doing something that was going to last. I had, I had had 45 straight days of workouts not every day was a good workout and not every diet was a great diet, but I wasn't eating unhealthy foods ever. I was, uh, there were times where I would, I might get to 4,000 calories in a day, but it was all healthy food. I was just kind of overeating some things that I, you know, should have limited. And so I was making some significant changes. I hadn't had soda in months. Um, so there was a lot of things I was doing well and I was letting those good things outweigh the negatives because I had absolutely felt slow. There was, there was definitely times where I'm like, man, it's been 60 days and I'm still not looking like I want to look, you know, but my clothes started to fit a little bit better. And I was, my double XLs and my three XLs, you know, weren't so tight on me anymore. And all of a sudden the, the double XLs were kind of loose and I'm like, oh, this is, I'm going in the right direction. And so I, I absolutely had days where I felt like, man, this is, this doesn't feel like it's ever going to get there. But I, I, had to, I had to look at it from the positive side too, that I was in fact losing weight and that even though, you know, 20 pound weight loss in, I was still 300 pounds. Yeah, but I was 320. So it, I'm still so far away from where I was. And I did have to tell myself like, all right, well, if I want this 20 pounds to matter, I can't gain it back ever again. I have to keep going this through this direction. So even on a day where maybe I ate too much or a day where I didn't have a great workout, 
it was like, okay, but I did work out and I did eat some healthy things. So tomorrow I'll try to do better. But I did do some good things today, even if I may have done some things I wasn't proud of. And that consistency, that ball rolling, you know, it's why that photo I think resonates with people because they see a guy who's overweight, but he's pumped and motivated. And then he, they see a guy who's, you know, essentially accomplished their goal. And that's what, that's what everybody wants for whatever their goal is, is they want to be able to be confident when they start and be confident when they finish. And I think that's what that photo has become for people. Yeah. It, it has over 63,000 retweets, 519,000 likes. Um, did you realize well, that's this? Even, would... And that's not even including the Reddit time, you know, time has been yeah. on Reddit. I mean, I get, I get people mentioning that they've seen me on something. I don't even know where they've seen me from. Even today, I got a bunch of new Instagram followers. And um, whenever I get, you know, 30 new Instagram followers out of nowhere, it's because somebody shared that photo. And 90% of the time, they don't tag me. So I don't know it's happened, but I can, <laughs> I can guess. Because usually, I, don't, I don't get that many followers in, in a row anymore. Usually, I'll get one or two every day here or there. So if I suddenly get 30, I know somebody shared the photo again. And, <laughs> That's uh, great. And uh, so, you know, it's, just, it's, and it's always fun because I always get new people who get to see the journey for the first time. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, so since California implemented the new, uh, the shelter in place um, order, gyms are closed. Was it an easy adjustment for you uh, to work out at home? Did you, have to maybe take some time in between to figure out what you were going to do uh, and game plan a little bit. So what was that transition like? I, I think, you know, the way I, I described it a second ago with kind of my workouts that I've always, this, this whole time I've had a mindset of, well, I, I'll try to do this, this, and this over the, the next two days or three days. But if I can't do it, I'll do something else. So I've always kind of had that mindset this whole time during this journey that I would just adjust to what I could do. And I wouldn't stress too much about it. So all the shelter in place did was just made me have to minimize what I could do, but it didn't mean I couldn't do anything. So at first I was doing a lot of, you know, push-ups and I was doing a lot of sit-ups and, and those kind of things. And I was getting a little tired of it. And I started finding, you know, uh, inanimate objects around the house or, or I'd ask Aaron to come run over and I'd, you know, pick him up and whatever. And, you know, it was just, just trying to find something to do so I could, you know, not only share that I was still doing something, but also prove to people that they could find ways to work out at home too. And, you know, then as I, once it got serious to where we really couldn't go out anywhere, I started looking online on Amazon, looking for different um, workout uh, equipment. And so I you know I, now I have some things I can use at home and, and you, everything from just a jump rope to a slam ball to, you know, medicine balls and, and all these different things that now I have access to some stuff at home that uh, allows me to not have to go back to the gym, which I, I don't know if, if I'll go back to the gym if, if for a while, if, if ever, in, in the sense that right now I have enough equipment at home and I've done enough running and stuff where I don't have to go back. Um, I will, I would miss a lot of the things I was able to do there, but you know, part of this is also just doing what I can with what I have. And I think ultimately the goal is health. The goal is not to, you know, be able to do a certain amount of, of, uh, of bench press or, you know, a certain amount in squat or whatever. So I don't need a bench press or a squat rack to, to do, do what I want to do. 
And, um, you know, it, it just so happened that kind of my new year's resolution this year was to run more. Cause I realized that my cardio was something I was, I was neglecting. Once I lost the weight I wanted to, I really cut down my cardio and was doing a lot more lifting because it was just easier. I, I'm, I'm better at lifting cause I've done it my whole life. Never really enjoyed cardio ever. I was a, always a sprint guy. I was never a long distance guy. And so I kind of made a, a commitment to myself this, you know, when, once January hit that I wanted to do a lot more cardio, a lot more running and see how many miles I could run. And so it kind of worked out perfect in, in that with the shelter in place that I could just go for a run around my neighborhood. And, and that was, you know, something I could still do. And so it became something really easy for me to do so that I could get, still get a workout in and burned a lot of calories and, and ended up getting, you know, gotten to the point now where running a 5k is a cool down for me and running a, a 10k is normal for me, which is a really weird sentence to say out loud because it's something I never, never, ever considered would ever be something I would do athletically. Um, and now it's like running around the neighborhood is just like a nice way to relax um, and doing it at like a eight to 10 minute pace, depending on where, you know, what I'm running and how I'm running it. And it's like, that is, is just completely foreign to me compared to the kind of athlete I was in high school and college. But it also just proves that if you put your mind to something and you put enough hours in, you can, you can get really good at something and no matter what it is. So I've seen a few videos of your son, Aaron, who is a future major league baseball player, by the way. Um, <laughs> I've seen him help you during these workouts. I, I, th I think by then there might be baseball. So there, you know. maybe, maybe, maybe he'll be a DH. <laughs> it looks like. Um, so what does it mean to you that he's there kind of observing a healthy lifestyle? It's, it's everything else I'm doing this for you know I'm doing this for me I'm doing this for my wife and her support means everything to me but Aaron is the, the heir apparent you know in you know literally and I I remember and this is no knock on my dad because he's one of the most amazing humans in the world to me but you know I'd see him at you know on a Saturday we sit sit on the couch and watch the ball game and eat potato chips and drink some soda and and it was like, and that looked like my perfect life. And I became that. I became the guy that sat on the couch and watched the ball game and had a bag of chips and drank a soda. And, and it, you know, had my dad spent the weekends running around with me more, maybe I would have done that more. And, I, and, and in saying that, I'm not knocking my, my father at all, but it does make me cognizant of the fact that what we see as kids has a big impact on our lives that, you know, having a comfortable couch or a lazy boy and watching the ball game, you know, or listening to it on the radio while just sitting in, you know, comfortably on some chair in the backyard was like a perfect weekend day for me. So if my, if my kid gets the scene running around the neighborhood or going for, you know, um, you know, going for a workout at the gym and when he gets older is able to come with me and see me put the time in, it's like those things are going to, even if he doesn't care about those things, he's going to see that it matters to me. And he's going to see that health matters to me. And he's more likely to be healthy because of that. Because, you know, a lot of times, one of the things I think you realize as a parent is you can try to shove something down your kid's throat, you know, figuratively about like, hey, I love baseball, so you're going to love baseball. But if they don't like the game, they're going to walk away from it. And if they do love the game, they're going to eat it up because their dad loves it. You know, it's one of the two extremes kind of. And so I, I'm not trying to shove anything down, you know, you know, down Aaron's throat. I'm not trying to force anything on him I don't 
you know, I don't say like, Hey, you have to like the Warriors or you have to like the Giants. Um, you know, it's like the, the things I love don't have to be the things he loves, but at the same time, him seeing what I prioritize and what I think is valuable and important is going to impact him. And if I don't eat certain foods because they're unhealthy and I say, no, nah, you know, that's unhealthy. So I don't like to eat it. Um, or I don't like to eat it very often because it's unhealthy. It'll give him a good sense of, all right, well, then this is maybe something that I only eat on a special occasion, or maybe I'll only eat it once in a while. And eat, you know, I, I don't want to make things off limits for him, but at the same time, you want to give him that guide of like, no, there's a reason behind what I'm doing. And here are some of the reasons. And as he gets older, he'll be able to learn those things and understand them better. And then he can make his own decisions. But I absolutely know that what I'm doing could have a very positive impact on how he looks at things. And that means everything to me. So what does Aaron deadlift? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Um, He can pick up my six pound medicine ball. I don't know exactly the amount of weight he could pick up. Um, But, you know, I, I'm also not the one, the one thing I definitely don't want to do is make him care about those things. (laughs) I'd love, I'd love to just kind of secretly, you know, give, give him some, you know, weight. Like I was even just out front, I was kind of, measuring off what 100 meters was and it was like all right let's you know see how fast you can run and you know i would time them like oh wow you did it in 20 something seconds you know that's that's a new record way to go you know not with the idea that we have to train you to get faster but just trying to make it fun for him and i think you know if if i put weights on a on a deadlift bar and said okay you know pick this up you know it's like honestly it's more about no here's you know here's some toys. Can you pick these up? And they might be heavier toys. Like just start from a place where it's something he'd already want to do. And then kind of, you know, without him realizing that he's exercising and having a good time. But one thing I've realized, especially for a four-year-old is if I go out there and I put the tee out there and I put some wiffle balls out there and I give him a bat and I say, Hey, hit something to me about 12 seconds in, he's going to turn it into some other game, you know? (laughs) And, And so if I really actually wanted some kind of structure, I, I'd be pulling my hair out. And yeah, I already, I already got some gray hair, so I don't need to get any more. Uh, well, hopefully that to... game that he starts playing isn't hit dad with the bat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think of them, and, and this is going to be something that I'll, I'll believe in for him, even, even through high school, really, but uh, especially up until high school is I really don't care what sports, if any, he plays between now and high school, but if he does any sports, I just want the coach to care about kids. And I just want the coach to have some sense of, what it's like to build a team. And if they happen to know anything about the sport, it's kind of extra because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times what happens is we get kids so caught up in trying to be the best they possibly can be so that they can be some professional athlete in some sport that we forget that it's just about learning how to be a kid mm-hmm. and learning how to be a good teammate and learning how to be a friend and learning how to just get excited about having fun and that winning is great, but that you're never going to go undefeated. So you, you can't let that be the only thing. And, w- and when you start to get the right priorities in, in them about what really matters, because if they care about winning, I, I used to hate to lose. And I don't think anything my dad would have done would have changed that. But, you know, you also just have to try to put it out there that, well, you know, what can we learn then? How do we avoid losing next time? What, what can we do to fix that? And make those failures feel like a, like a part of the journey instead of, not, yeah, you are a failure, you lost. You know, it's like, it's not about that. It's about, well, we certainly don't want to feel that again. So how can we fix it? What, what, what do we, what could we do better? It's like, oh, you know, you, you, you were missing a lot of shots from this spot. Why don't we shoot, you know, 
50 shots from this spot and see if we can get a better percentage, you know, and just, and make it about progress instead of about winning and losing being the only thing, you know, because again, no we get so caught up, we get so caught up in that as prof when professionals are playing, but it's like, I don't want my kid thinking that winning's the only thing, you know, win winning should be important once it, once it gets to a place where you're in a competition. But if he's a four-year-old on a, on a tricycle, just run, just play. I don't care how fast you ride on your tricycle. You know, just just go play and have fun and, and burn some calories while you're while you're playing and having a good time and build your build your core and build your legs. You know, because you're on a tricycle, not because I'm giving you a deadlift bar. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like because I think I think ultimately it's like if whenever I've been lifting at home, he he sees me and tries to mimic it. So he's already going to do those kind of things when he sees me. Um, so I don't need to force that kind of stuff down his throat. Because we, we're, uh, we are parrots when we're four years old. We want to see what somebody else does and, and, look, and look to try to do it this, the same way or, or try to be like them because we care about them. Oh, no doubt. You're spot on. I've played high, uh, four years of high school baseball, and I think the number one thing that's taught is, you know, I don't care if you guys walk out of here winners, but you guys are going to walk out of here as good, you know, good young men, capable young men, and that's – um, and it's also about the relationships you make. So you make a good point there. Uh, so I want to touch on some current day events. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement has really opened um, our eyes nationally. And I know you're wearing the stand with cap jersey right there. Um, and it's opened our eyes on uh, the hundreds of years of abuse on that specific community. It's important to me. I know it's important to you. With when Ahmaud Ar uh, Arbery was killed running, uh, going for a jog, you decided to honor him. How did you honor him? Well, a lot of, a lot of people did, um, you know, they, on his birthday, they wanted to run 2.23 miles cause that was the, the, um, day that he passed away and, um, they wanted to honor him. And so I, I, you know, it's, it, it's literally the least I could do to, br you know, bring some awareness to that, you know, horrible tragedy and, and that senseless murder. And, you know, it's, it's so much bigger than any one person. I think that's the thing that's really scary to me is that, you know, a lot of the things happening today should have happened when Emmett Till was murdered, should have happened when Fred Hampton was assassinated in his own bed. It should have happened, you know, way before the civil rights movement. There shouldn't have had to have been a civil rights movement because on, you know, Juneteenth, which is tomorrow, um, you know, in 1865, it should have ended. And yet we've never, and, you know, should have ended way before that too. But, We've never been, we've never lived in a country in America. America has never been a country that's ever been free for everybody. It's never felt free for everybody. And it's because they've systematically made the system that way on purpose. And I think that's the first thing people need to realize with this movement is that it's never going to stop. It will always be a movement. And it's, there's, there's never a point where it's like, okay, now we're done. It's like, no, we have to keep continuing to do the right things. And to me, in, in that way, there is a parallel to what I'm doing with my health in that it, my, my health journey doesn't matter if I stop. Then it's no longer a journey. And to me, this Black Lives Matter movement is way more important than any one person that's been senselessly killed. It's everyone matters in that has, that has lost their life to this uh, oppression, to this uh, system of racism that 
it was designed this way that you know police were designed to attack and target and destroy these communities on purpose because they didn't want them to rise up and be equal to them um, and to understand that and know that is to start to dismantle it and replace it with something that makes more sense and the way you do that is by taking out the the, the cancerous you know tumors that are in these systems um, and they're in all systems it's not just police it's the ceos of companies that don't hire people because of their first name or last name it's people that um, work for companies that you know don't consider helping people you know that are um, lgbt or um, or other uh, groups the, the fact that uh, indigenous peoples still have very few rights in this country you know there's so many other battles that matter just as much and to me what black lives matter is all about is finally shining a light globally and nationally on the fact that it's never not been this way it's always been this way you know that uh donald glover's you know song is childish cambino this is america it's that's the thing i think people need to realize this has always been america this is america you know this land of the free home of the brave sounds beautiful it's not true for all americans it's not true for everyone that's born here that there are so many people that have been born in this country that have never truly felt free they might have said they were they might have they might have even said in their that they believe that they are in the best country in the world they're not necessarily telling the truth because they know in the in, in in their hearts that they've never actually been looked at as americans 100 percent by you know all people in this country because when when the when the current president or other people that agree with him are saying you know we want things back the way they were they are saying it as they want people that are whiter than the people that are doing this to be the ones in charge. They don't want people that have, have more melanin in their skin to have power in any place. And they feel like that's a, an affront to what they want, which is to feel more comfortable because everyone looks like them that's making the decisions. And it's a, it's a really sad, disturbing, reality when you realize the country you've lived your whole life in has never been accepting of so many different people a thousand percent agree michael thank you very much for joining me you guys could follow him on twitter his his uh journey to health twitter is at can't until i will put it in the description uh if you're listening i will put it in the description and if you're watching on youtube i'll put it in the description i'll also put uh, he has a new book, which is called You Can't Do It Until You Believe in Yourself. I'll put that in the link as well. You can find it on Amazon. And he's also on Instagram at Can't Until. Uh, so, yeah, Michael, thank you for joining me. I appreciate the time. Yeah, man. Hey, anytime. And, you know, I love, I love what you're doing, man. It's, uh, I, I love seeing someone who's passionate about something, you know, just take, take charge of his own destiny and, and put something together themselves and, instead of waiting for somebody else to start it. So you're, you're doing a great thing, being able to share your voice uh, and your love for sports and other things on this platform. So uh, good luck to you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. What else am I going to do? We're, we're home. So <laughs> no, no better time to start this than now. So Michael, thank you very much. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Subscribe. 
um, add favorites if you're listening on Spotify, Apple iTunes, it's on a couple of other things. Uh, so again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great day.